Hey, Blake from Launch Notes here. Thanks so much for checking out the Launch Notes podcast. Today's podcast features a recording of a recent edition of Launches I've Loved, an interview series where top product teams break down a product launch they worked on. For more great content like this, join our free Launch Awesome Slack community. You'll find a link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it'll come right up. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Launches I've Loved. Today, I'm speaking with Bryant Chow and Vikas Bagat, who are the CTO and Head of Product Marketing at Webflow. Welcome, guys. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I've just met Vikas, but Bryant and I I actually go way back. Uh, We were both in the Y Combinator summer 2013 batch uh, when we were just kids. Uh, Now we're, you know, older, have kids of our own. Um, and it's been pretty incredible to see uh, how Webflow has just grown into this absolute juggernaut since then. Thank you, Steve. Well, I mean, kudos to you as well. Your company status page.io is still something that we use every day at, at Webflow. Um, sometimes we, we wish we were using a little bit less. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But kudos to you. We love the product. That's funny. Yeah. We used to, you know, joke and call it like an insurance policy, like, People don't, people don't actually want to use it because it means like you're kind of having a bad day. So kind of funny. Um, okay, cool. Well, so the goal for today, we're just going to have an informal chat um, about two products or features, uh, feature launches uh, from your careers that were particularly uh, memorable, what you learned, um, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, how things have changed uh, since then. So Vikas, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, great to be here again. Thanks for having me. Um, so I think memorable, memorable product marketing launches for me that really stick out from my time here at Webflow. I joined about 11 months ago. I joined last March. And we've seen a lot of investments and changes um, in the organization over that time period. One of the ones that I'm really, really proud of and excited, was excited about when we first launched was actually our collaboration features last spring, last spring summer time frame. And what I loved about that product launch was the fact that we actually were able to listen to our community, actually work with our partners, work with our enterprise customers to do a lot of like early due diligence on what kind of use cases we were solving for with the investments in these new collaboration features. Mm. What I kind of loved about that launch as well too was that it was scrappy at the same time. Like we are growing really, really quickly as an organization, hired a ton of people over the past couple of years, but we still had this mindset internally at Webflow of getting the best job done, making sure that the messaging was targeted to the right core personas, the materials that we were working on, all of our cross-functionals were brought in early and often. I thought that level of scrappiness, that level of dedication and kind of in service of the broader good was something that really, really stood out to me as just a really memorable and just fantastic kind of product launch. Yeah, it's funny you say scrappiness, but it's honestly, it sounds like you're hitting all of like the highlights that a lot of us um, at, at growing companies kind of aspire to. A lot of those uh, roping in internal teams early on, a lot of like really... Um, just really doing a good job with like the product research, the user testing early on. Um, sounds like you're hitting some of those highlights. Um, talk to me about what was so memorable about this launch to you, um, or you know what went particularly well. I think what went well was the actual like the user research phase. So we have a, a really strong product market on our team named Barrett, who's mm-hmm. been at the company for five plus years, understands our market, our customers, our users exceptionally well. So being able to bring in that customer feedback to our product managers, to our product team, to really build a strategy that is cohesive, that is holistic, that takes into the it takes an in input from our customer pain points, 
to develop a feature that is actually going to meet the customer needs. For me, like that's like the holy grail of product marketing. If you can do that exceptionally well, the messaging, the launch tactics, like the marketing comms actually becomes really, really easy. The challenge is always that first part of being able to do that right level of user research, get alignment with your product, mar- uh, with your product manager and developing a product strategy that is in line with what your customers are expecting. And so for me, like what I loved about this launch too was it was first of many, right? So we're, can, we're just starting our journey when it comes to collaboration features. So coming out to market with a really strong narrative in the summer time frame of last year to kind of set the foundation of where Webflow is headed as it relates to collaboration within the platform was really, really exciting for me to see because it allows us to create a narrative that not only lasts for just a couple of days, it actually start, starts to create momentum on a quarterly cadence that we can continue to kind of hit the drumbeat on over time as we continue to make more product announcements and investments. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Tell me, give us a little insight more into like, what does that, what does that research, I mean, what do the processes look like? What are the tools? I'm sure there's kind of a lot of teams involved. Like, how do you, especially, I mean, I got to imagine you guys are in the thousands of employees now, maybe the low thousands. Um, not, in not that yet, case, not um, sharing, sharing knowledge like that amongst that many people um, is difficult. Uh, I mean, we are a team, I mean, we're a super small team in the tens. Uh, and sometimes we struggle with it. Talk, talk to me about, yeah, like the tools, processes involved to kind of get everyone rallied around sh- sharing those insights so you can all um, kind of row in the same direction. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And honestly, I think organizations of all sizes still have not cracked that code. It's, a, it's an incredibly challenging problem, especially as your organization starts to scale. When I think about the user research that we do here internally, it's a really close collaboration with our product design team, our user research team. You know, we're using software tools like Dovetail, for example, for qualitative interviews, for sharing out snippets, heavy users of Gong as well, too. So when we think about investing Mm -hmm. with some of our uh, features that are more related to our enterprise customer segment, how do we listen in on sales conversations to understand customers' pain point, their feedback, being able to leverage those tools and integrating that with things like Slack, for example, allows for a much more seamless sharing of insights. One of the things that we do in product marketing here at Webflow is we really try to focus on centralizing a lot of those insights in partnership with product design and partnership with user research to have almost like these mini readouts or these roadshows mm-hmm. where we can mm-hmm. share the learnings from this user research with cross-functional mm-hmm. stakeholders, whether they're folks on the product team, design team, the executive team. And what I've, what I've found so far at Webflow, which is really, really exciting, even though we're kind of the mid hundreds of employees, is that there's like this intellectual curiosity to want to know more about what's happening in our market with our customers, with our end users across the entire organization. So like sharing out the insights, once you put it in a Slack channel, there's even more appetite for more and more rigorous detail, which allows for us to do kind of a that kind of double click into, into some of those user insights and the user research. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so there's a Slack channel dump, dump those in. Is it, is there any other, any other kind of like rituals you have around like, uh, you know, every two weeks we do like a spotlight on a customer or a deep dive on a particular type of problem people have? Yeah. So what we'll typically do is we actually have like these bi- bi-weekly uh, market meetings where we have our enterprise sales team and our enterprise product team come together with product marketing to share what they're seeing in the market, what they're hearing from customers, what their demands are. We spend a lot of time and actually we have a dedicated Slack workspace with our Webflow community as well. So we are actually sourcing feedback directly from our community members. We're having conversations with them in Slack and we're kind of bringing all that information in in a more digestible way. 
the product marketing team specifically will actually do monthly deep dives into customer pain points and customer feedback. So we'll actually do kind of a rotational program internally where a product marketing manager that's responsible for our core product capabilities will actually share the learning and insights that he or she's partnered on with our user research team so that the entire product marketing team is aware of what's happening, what they're hearing from our, from our, from our end users. So we are starting to build a little bit more process in place. We're, we're investing in a lot more tooling. Like I mentioned, Gong is a really valuable solution that we, we invest in and use to share some of those insights. Dovetail is another one that's great for user research. Um, but right now we're still kind of in that early phase of really trying to create that mental model and that operational cadence of sharing insights. Got it. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, got some more follow-up questions there, but let's get um, let's get Brian in the in the mix here and um, tell us a bit about you know a launch you've from your career that you've found particularly memorable. Yeah, um, there's been quite a few. Um, every single one has that exhilarating factor where it's just like, oh wow, something I've been working on for months or even years um, is finally seeing the light of day. Um, I think the one that really stands out to me is the launch of the Webflow CMS back in October 2015. Mm -hmm. And for context, you know, this was something that I think only five engineers worked on at Webflow. So this was Vlad, myself, Ray Myers, um, Nathan Johnson, Yoav, Rope, and just one designer, I think, at the time. So oh, yeah. maybe two. We had Sergi, and then we had our first designer, Nathan Romero, also work on it. And you know, this was a marathon and a sprint uh, all at once. So you know, I thought I was actually done with my component of it, like two months in. Um, but then I started to just discover with all the other engineers and designers that there are just so many corner cases that we had to support with building effectively the world's first visual CMS. And uh, yeah. that first month turned into 10 or 11 more months of just like really hard development and design choices that we had to make. Um, so long story short, you know, we ended up getting everything ready um, for an October launch. We had press lined up. Um, we had uh, some very, very light, you know, customer validations. You're just like, hey, is this something that you would actually use? And then we launched it. And, uh, you know, it went on Hacker News, it went on Product Hunt, and uh, it went out to the entire Webflow community. And the reception was massive. And it was really, really huge. And that, year, that month, we grew our MRR like something like 30% just in one month. But it didn't come without its challenges. So because we didn't have any community team members or liaisons. We didn't even have a marketing team at the time. We barely had a support team. Uh, the launch, you know, the product was effectively just like dropped in front of users' hands. And sure, some draws, jaws were dropped, but we had just a very, very vocal minority of users that were just like, okay, this is the coolest product I've ever seen, but I don't want to pay more than $10 a month for it. And 
we didn't really know how to react. We were like, well, mm-hmm. you could go and buy a WordPress site and you're easily going to pay 20, 30, 40, $50 a month, or you can go and use Squarespace. It starts at $25 a month and you're not going to pay $10 for something that the world has never seen before. The world's first visual CMS. And um, to be honest with you, the way we reacted was incredibly reactive. We mm. essentially catered, uh, cratered to the community and we're like, oh, okay, we're so sorry. You know, we're going to grandfather <laughs> you uh, this legacy discount plan. You get 50% off in perpetuity. Yeah. And, um, you know, I did some quick back of the napkin math and I think we left about $50 million of ARR on the table that day. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Um, And honestly, you know, I chalk it up to the things that we're doing much better at today. But some of those things are exactly the things that Mikas mentioned, which is, Hey, we need to really deeply understand our customer. We need to, we need to not just understand it, but we need to disseminate that information across various cross-functional stakeholders, across support, across marketing, across product, across even engineering. So they have deep customer empathy. And then, you know, it's important to have a plan, you know, like back in October, 2015, uh, the night before, you know, it was an all-nighter, and before the all-nighter, we were working a lot, you know, so we didn't think through some of the ramifications of the launch. We didn't have a community engagement model. We didn't have customer support tickets already, you know, pre-drafted that we could quickly send mm-hmm. out. So if effectively, all those things just created so much um, turbulence and turmoil back in October 2015 that we ended up making really critical um, business decisions during that time. Mm. So now that, you know, to fast forward, we're happy we made those decisions because now we can learn from them. But um, it also goes to show that it's really important to have the right team set up, or at least you're thinking about a variety of factors when you're when you're looking to go live. Yeah. I'm curious if um, that made you kind of rethink uh, almost your your positioning for who you thought kind of your it's kind of buzzwordy, but like who like who your ideal customer is if you're if you're launching this thing that that's so great um, and the re, and the reaction that you're getting is oh da 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 don't want to pay that much for it uh, I'm wondering if you thought kind of crossed your mind like oh maybe um, maybe a different type of customer would actually be better suited for this someone who who readily sees sees the value and is happy to pay for it. I would say, yeah, it definitely contributed to our understanding of the various customer segments that use Webflow. Um, mm-hmm. I think the TLDR is, is that we started to think about our freelancers and our agencies, what we call mm-hmm. service providers, um, honestly, just more as a, of a channel as opposed to a direct customer to Webflow. So now in terms of how it manifests in our marketing activities, in our releases, and then also in terms of how we engage with the community, we also have different lenses at which we look at our customers. And I'm sure Vikas has now like developed different playbooks now for, for when we launch something, who's it going out for, what audience, what channels. Um, and it has that particular experience has most definitely helped us shift and you know, create that, that, that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. 
Yeah, because could you talk about that a little bit more about kind of how you how you think about that now? I'm sure. Um, let's see, I have a kind of a question here that I've been chewing on trying to figure out how to ask because it's kind of a hairy one. Um, um, yeah, I'm. What's the best way to ask this? I'm Kyle, curious. Why don't you tell us how how we actually do it today in terms of the various customer segments we have now? Yeah. So, so the way that we kind of structure it today is we've definitely invested a lot more in this element of just like release marketing, right? We are working very closely with our product managers on understanding how do we assign a specific tier to a specific launch, tier one launch versus a tier two versus a tier three. It's going to have this different set of marketing comms, a channel mix. And then you also have to kind of put in an extra dimension of, okay, great. We know this is a very large launch or it's a very small launch, but it's also going to a very specific set of personas or, 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 or customers. And so you need to kind of find that balance of communication, messaging, positioning, on combination with the right kind of bill of materials, where you're showing up for the community. I think one of the biggest things that we've learned as an organization, because we work with designers, in-house marketing teams, service providers, agencies, freelancers, we need to meet our customers where they are from a communication and marketing standpoint, right? It becomes very artificial or kind of forced if you're putting a, you're blasting a message out there to everybody and hoping that the message is going to resonate. So what we've really spent a lot of time on over the past year, and maybe longer than that, is really curating what are the pain points of our ideal customer profiles, whether if they're service providers versus a VP of marketing versus a CMO, and making sure that we have consistent messaging houses or messaging maps to land a message with, with that specific persona in a meaningful way. But then from there, taking that messaging house and applying it to the places where those people actually show up on a day-to-day -day basis. Our community members are attending and you know joining Facebook groups, community forums, Slack workspaces. How do we actually build a marketing strategy that supports getting our message out there directly to where our, our end users are I think that's actually a really big lesson that we've learned as an organization. Even me personally, coming from much more of a traditional B2B SaaS company at Slack before joining Webflow, the marketing strategy was completely different from a product launch perspective. At Webflow, there's this really unique balance of really being able to meet the community where they are and also having to speak to six or seven different personas uh, at any given point in time. So I think that balance is really where we've invested a lot of our time, especially from just like a process and um like an operational process standpoint, but also from like a from a transparency and visibility standpoint, as I kind of Brian alluded to, we've had to bring in a lot more cross-functional stakeholders as we've thought about really large product launches, even actually small product launches. How do we arm enablement and arm our customer support team with the right set of email templates, comms, FAQs? How do we train them? How do we educate them? How do I partner with our education team, who's incredible and phenomenal? to actually work on educational videos or content that we can get out on day zero of launch to our end users, right? Like that becomes an orchestration event, which I think, you know, in the past, we just haven't had to do as much of with these more, with a much larger audience and a much larger community. We have to be really mindful and really thoughtful about where we show up and how we show up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that totally resonates. Um, uh, we like to say that launch day is kind of like the tip of the iceberg for a new feature. And the bulk of the work is actually all of that. There's just so much kind of um, uh, alignment and enablement work and just getting getting the whole team um, on the same page about what's happening when and what they need to know for it um, is, is just, you know, it's it's so it's just so much more than that, that little bit that happens on launch day. Um, That's right. Any, anything more you can kind of share around that? What, what kinds of things are you doing um, in the uh, days, weeks uh, leading up to launches? 
Yeah, so one of the things that we've started to do a lot more of here at Webflow is just had more consistent check-ins with the right set of stakeholders and bringing in folks early and often. And I think that's really, really key. From like a mess, think about messaging, for example. We have the luxury at Webflow of having a phenomenal brand design team and a brand studio team. They're designers, they use Webflow, they know our product inside and out. As a product marketer, I would want to bring them in early and often as I think about messaging for a specific audience, right? They can stress test, they can call BS on certain messages that we want to land in the market. What we found to be really successful is by being able to bring in folks early and often into these almost like messaging review crits and kind of like just tiger teaming a lot of this messaging or marketing tactics or strategy. We're able to bring in a lot of different stakeholders to get the right feedback and actually identify maybe blind spots that marketing may have about our community or blind spots that we may have from like a product standpoint, et cetera. That's been really helpful in making sure that we are covering all of our bases uh, from a launch plan strategy standpoint. One other thing that we've really invested into is just templatizing a lot of our process. You know, we're heavily investing in Jira for our engineering and product and design mm. teams from like a tracking perspective, which has been massively helpful in terms of driving visibility and transparency. What dependencies do we have on launch day and leading up to launch day? That's been a huge game changer for us. The go-to-market teams right now, we're also using Asana from a project management tracking tool perspective. So by creating a little bit more structure and templates in place, we're able to drive a lot more efficiency and just visibility in terms of who's responsible for what and actually reverse engineering uh, product launch timelines. I think one of the biggest things that's been a big takeaway for me over the past year here at Webflow is how do you drive executive alignment on a specific tier one type launch? If you use no-code conference as a, as a really good example of this, which is our flagship yearly conference we held last November, it required a lot of stakeholder buy-in, feedback, support, uh, executive decision-making. By bringing in folks on a weekly cadence with very structured sets of asks, dependencies, blockers, it made it easy for people to kind of make decisions on things where the product marketing team needed a lot of help, right? So by being a little bit more structured, a little bit more focused and creating that operational rigor around simple meetings and kind of just like structured uh, documentation, again, documentation I think is key when it comes to product marketing, that structured set of documentation was really, really helpful in driving alignment mm -hmm. with, with our executive team. Yeah. You guys have these um, kind of enormous feature, like feature launch announcements at no code comp. I'm curious if you guys do any uh, almost like smaller, I'm also curious how you think about this from like a technical releasing things perspective, Brian, um, but like how you, I don't know, how you give people advance notice along the way. What, what are you doing to get feedback earlier? Um, and how, yeah, how is like the, the process of like ship of actually like shipping those changes? Um, Kind of changed over time. Shipping products like like features. Yeah, like do have you uh, kind of moved to a more? Um, back in the day, we would release big old features kind of all at once with one big deploy. Um, curious right. if you're doing more early access program feature flagging. Things right, like that. right, right. Got it. Yeah. So we we probably built our beta flagging framework four or five years ago. Um, and it's kind of been the foundation for not just beta programs, but how to just selectively, you know, turn on certain features for customers. So sometimes, you know, there's a feature where we're, we're really unsure about how scalable it is and we really want to see it, you know, react in the wild. Um, and, you know, we'll really leverage our beta access uh, program for that. 
we also have different um, staging environments. Um, most of those staging environments are for internal use only, but you know, for example, when we launch a specific feature and it's like very workflow or UX heavy, you know, we'll, we'll invite you know, customers um, to, to, to play around on that staging environment. Um, I think generally the trend obviously is, is that as you get bigger, companies are you know, understandably more cautious right, about how you roll stuff out. So you know, we don't, we don't you know, deploy 30 times a day anymore. Um, we are you know, really trying to bash together some changes and uh, we still have one monolith. So you know, we try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, but it also has its challenges and I don't want to derail this uh, conversation into like multi-repo deployment uh, <laughs> scenarios, but you know, we still actually um, still have a fairly manageable code base considering how, how broad our product is. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. Running out of time here. So want to ask uh, just for a couple uh, quick questions, hot takes. Um, Either of you have a kind of ace in the hole management, marketing, kind of whatever technique uh, that you use for every every launch. Something that's like, hey, if all else fails, at least I know this one thing is going to go right. Because can go first. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. It's like a, like a management or leadership tactic that I use that I know is going to steer well. Doesn't have, I mean, I think, doesn't have to be a management tactic, but like, a, I don't know, like, a, yeah. That's a tough one. Um, uh, I think, I'll I didn't, edit this out, obviously, but I, I'll always find a like fallback on like a, you know, kind of a, a platitude about yeah. really roping in customers yeah. earlier, you know, da, da, da. it's kind of a dumb question I, I, to be honest, but. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, I think, I think for me, honestly, what it is, is actually leaning in on internal stakeholders that are subject matter experts that can be part of the design process, whether it's related to messaging or the marketing tactics itself, right? I think oftentimes product marketers are, they treat the, they treat a launch in a silo, which is actually a mistake. It's actually about bringing in more folks to kind of stress test your plan, stress test your strategy. It helps drive alignment. It drives visibility. It drives buy-in along the way versus creating some sort of like big milestone moment where you have to get executive buy-in. If you can show the work as you're doing it, that to me is, always going to be a really positive experience from a product launch standpoint. Yep. Nice. Okay, cool. All right. Well, don't want to take any more of your time. Thanks so much for sharing your stories with me. Um, before we go, any, anything else you want to share about what you're working on? Anything cool um, coming up for Webflow or um, anything like that? If you uh, need a new website, you know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. The I can't even count the number of people I've recommended Webflow to. We use it for launch notes. I use it for every personal project. It's just it, it's incredible. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of the best thing out there if you're just looking to get a, a website and actually so many other things. I know you guys do so much other stuff, um, but yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Where uh, where can people follow you guys online to kind of hear more about your journey and what you're up to? Uh, I don't post very much, but I guess I have a Twitter that people. 
I would rather they sign up for Webflow, though. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, you heard it, everyone. Go, uh, go check out Webflow. Promise, you heard it from me. You will not be disappointed. Um, all right, well, hey, thanks so much, guys, for doing this. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Steve. Hey, Blake here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Notes podcast. If you work on a product team, whether you're in product management, product marketing, product ops, or any other supporting function, go check out the Launch Awesome community. Hundreds of the top product minds from companies like Google, Atlassian, Twilio, and more are in the community sharing their expertise every day. This free Slack community is a great place to connect with and learn from real product leaders, actual practitioners who are in the trenches building and launching products at some of the most exciting startups and SaaS companies around. To join, head to the link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it'll come right up. Finally, if you're a fan of the show, don't forget to subscribe so you'll be first to know about new episodes. And of course, we'd be thrilled if you left us a review. Reviews not only help other people find the show, but also just lets us know which content you find most valuable so we can create even more of it. Thanks again for being here.